want to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so I'm Sabine Müller, Professor of Neurology, Pediatrics and Neurosurgery at the University of California, San Francisco. I'm directing the Pediatric Brain Tumor Program here and also lead together with um, Professor Prado's uh, Large Clinical Trial Consortium. And my main interest lies in taking care of children and young adults with brain tumors. Mm -hmm. And my research interest um, rests in developing new therapies for these for this patient population, um, looking also the long-term effects our therapies have on these patients, and also doing some preclinical work identifying new therapies and markers that hopefully will be helpful in the care of brain tumor patients. Got it, got it. So how long have you been working with this population? Since, um, so I did my pediatric training actually um, in Boston and then did a child neurology fellowship after that. And so since 2010, I really mainly concentrate on, on this patient population. Yeah. So it has been a, has been a while. <laughs> That's amazing. That super interesting. Yeah, I was going to say. So we've started to get to know each other because we have some wonderful collaborations and talking about this, and as I brought up a lot of this stuff, I think one of the things we really wanted to get across here was thinking about what is something that you think some of the folks that are going through your research need to keep in mind when they're on the other side, right? Like they're becoming participants and they're, but they have the things you're studying and what's something they may not appreciate about being in a research study or under, knowing what your kind of your end goals are. Yeah, so broad, grossly, I would say there are two research studies I'm, I'm mainly uh, involved in. So one is really therapy. So unfortunately, for many of the patients I see, there is not a good standard of therapy. So I I don't have much to offer with, you know, that would have shown a good outcome. Mm -hmm. So basically, we are enrolling them in clinical trials to offer innovative therapies that hopefully will make a difference. So that's one one set of studies. The other set of studies, and that's how we really collaborated, is um, really looking at some more long-term side effects. And I think what I would keep in mind there, I mean, first of all, sometimes participating in a research study to assess late effects, it is obviously additional time, it is additional commitment that, that you give. And often it it might not have a direct impact on you and, and your family directly, but it, it is a tremendous, um, you know, gift to the community at large because without families and patients who are willing to participate in these studies, we will not learn and we will not get better and we will not recognize certain long-term side effects. So I think keeping in mind that sometimes participating in studies might not be of direct benefit to oneself, but it obviously really might help other patients uh, in, in the future. That makes sense. And how do you, like you kind of mentioned how this is a long commitment and obviously research is kind of ambiguous, like you kind of go into it not really knowing what, you know, is going to happen. Um, how do you think that affects like the mental health of the people who are actually like in the study? So that's a very good, that, that's a very good question. And actually um, for our therapeutic trials, we're often, what, what one of our areas is, is really very cutting edge, sometimes first in human, definitely first in children trials. So there's a lot of uncertainty mm -hmm. and how that affects, you know, quality of life, your cognition, your overall mindset is actually something that is not well studied. 
But recently, we really integrated assessments into these early phase clinical trials to exactly get at that question A, you know, if you look back, would you participate again? You know, how how over the course of participating in the study, um, you know, do you feel? So we are having now specific uh, questions and questionnaires um, that we are integrating. Um, and then obviously, I think, for the other type of studies where we're looking more at late effects, I mean, it, it could obviously, it is sort of a reminder, right, of, of your disease and, and that maybe you're really because of the disease are different and have different challenges you have to go through. So I've definitely had patients, especially when we couple it with imaging, they, they would, you know, they would get frustrated. They they don't want to continue to participate because it's 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 a it's a lot for them, right? But then others feel um, energized by it, right? Because yeah. they feel like they're really contributing. And I think that that energy sometimes, so I think it can affect you in both ways, I would say, right? It can go down in a more negative way. But I think that there's so much positive I also hear from families if they were able to contribute to, to a, a bigger cause. Um, yeah. Definitely. Does it seem, based on what you described, that this is something that is maybe better understood in adults and maybe to some extent that the children at this point have been marginalized and they just have to play catch up in many respects with what is already known to some extent in terms of mental health and these cancer-related impairments in adults. Right. Yeah, although I would say um, there's a lot of studies being done, you know, in terms of cognitive outcomes and how our therapies affect because, I mean, really the cognitive development for these children is so closely followed because of school, right? I mean, we obviously, yeah. there's a lot we understand how, you know, it really then impacts the quality of life on that aspect, right? And that I think is, is also a harder thing to get from children, right? And it, it obviously changes in, in terms of perspective over their course, right? Sometimes patients start when they are four years old. It's obviously a very different perspective, A, from the parents and also from the child that then if you interview that family when a patient is 16, 17, right? A, the child has much more of an opinion, but then also the families will see that in a different light. So I think that, yeah, not, not sure if we know less. I think it's just, um, it's much more complex because it's over this huge lifespan, right? And so right. much changing events in, in the world, yeah. yeah. Right. And um, I know you talked a little bit about like education, but how does that kind of play into this? Like, do the children still go to school, like even when they're in research trials or just like, no? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we always try to maintain as, as much of a normal life as, as we can. So for patients who need to be for longer stays in the hospital, we, we offer them school, school in the hospital and, and, Mm -hmm. You know, some children, because of their treatment or because how the, the you know the tumor affects them, they have a hard time, especially in the in the initial stages. Right. Um, but however, can we try? And then you know reintegration. So after such a you know really life changing event, you know going back to school and seeing your classmate and you change, right? It's a it's a big deal, right? And yeah. you cannot underestimate this. So we are supporting them through, you know, detailed assessment with neuropsychology to understand how, how maybe changes that occur because of treatment of a brain tumor really affect their learning. So I think that's a critical aspect. Sometimes, um, 
and that unfortunately we don't have all the resources we want you know we 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 had teams that would sometimes go back with the child in the classroom to do education <clears throat> in the classroom we often at least try to reach out to the teacher you know our social worker our neuropsychologist so that there's an understanding from the peers right i mean many times i would say their peers, their classmates never heard of a brain tumor, don't know what it is, don't know right. what it can cause, the changes you can face while right? losing your hair, not being able to move on part of your body. I mean, there are really dramatic changes that can unfortunately happen to children when they go through this and creating an educational environment so that, you know, the peers and the teachers understand because they think with understanding comes an acceptance and comes support. That is something we are trying to do. Obviously, it, we are limited with yeah. stuff, but that's always where we try to reach out and educate. Right, right. Um, and, you know, I do have a question, a couple of questions about mental health, yeah. but just, you know, kind of staying on this research topic. What do you think is something like particularly positive that you've seen that's just kind of like really improved what, you know, people think about this and, you know, the research that you guys do to kind of support people? Mm -hmm. Um, that's a tricky question <laughs> in your brain here. <laughs> yeah, because you know, and so in 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 our patient population, right? So there are these really hard to treat cancer, and you know, we, we are really aiming for survival. Right. In other tumor types, we are aiming for trying to find therapies that have less of an impact in sort of the long term quality of life. And I would say through our increased understanding um, that we know we have disease types and tumors where the overall survival is close to 100%, right. but because of the type of therapies we are using, really um, the quality of life is diminished, especially cognitively, that that's yeah. an impact we have is not that great. We, we now have newer agents because we understand how much more about the biology we have much more detailed assessments we can do on these tumors. We now have therapies available where, where I have personally great hopes for, you know, that that also will improve really the long-term quality these children will have because we can avoid some of the more unspecific therapies like, you know, super aggressive surgery or radiation therapy where we know that these type of therapies have an impact on long-term cognition and mental health and how, how you overall feel. So I, I think, um, you know, we, we are definitely making progress, but I think the biggest change where I'm hopeful, it, it's just the attention to it, right? We, we are now paying much more attention and developing mechanisms how we can follow these children long-term to understand even the impact of our therapy on cognition, the mental health long-term, because that's not something that is easily followed for these patients, right, as you can imagine. So that's what makes me really excited that I also hear from our industry partners that that is a critical aspect and we are developing mechanism to follow that. Wow. I mean, that's good. In many ways, I guess what you're saying is like, you correct me if I'm wrong, things are looking up, right? Yeah. Um, long story short, from the population, even the ways things are going, things are looking up. And I think even the stuff that we're involved with and that you're leading aside from that, like things are at least going the right direction. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, still a lot of work ahead of us, but yeah. definitely, I think, um, definitely, I, I'm much more hopeful for a good, you know, outcome for my patients than yeah. 10 years ago. And that's really through just increasing knowledge, some of the technologies we have available, 
you know, some of the work, right, we are doing yeah. together trying to find mechanisms how we can improve their, you know, cognition with with different methods. Um, so yeah, no, definitely, definitely on the right track. Yeah. All right, Sonia, wrap, bring this one home. I think we just have one more and we're done here. Yeah, I think we do have one more, but um, just what really is, quick, I yeah. wanted to um, kind of ask you, so this obviously seems like, you know, kind of, you know, a difficult process. Um, how do you think this has affected like your medical, like your mental health and also like the mental health of like people, like your coworkers or other people who are kind of working? Oh, as, as, oh, right. as yeah. a That's a very good question. And I would say... We're all struggling from times to times, and, yeah. and there's no way around this. Um, because unfortunately, in our field of caring for children with brain tumors, we see a lot of loss. I mean, we see yeah. a lot of loss of life, but we also see a loss of potential. We see loss of dreams that families, children had, which then unfortunately they can't pursue because of this illness. So there's a tremendous amount of loss. Right. On the other hand, um, you know, like what you get back from these families, what you get back with the smiles, you know, I mean, there's also so much positive. Yeah. But I do think, you know, it comes right in waves. And I think the importance if you work in, in, in such a field is really that you have a good team, right? I mean, sometimes you need to take a step back and say, you know, I, I need a little bit, I need a little bit time to recover because you lost, uh, you know, a, a patient you, you tried really hard or you were very close with. And we all understand this. So I think how how we make it work as a team is having mm -hmm. that respect for each other, knowing that when we need to help out. And then all of us have their own individual way of coping, right? Yeah. I go spend time with my kids, others go running, right? All, all the things. But you have to pay attention um, to that. Um, and it, it's really the team effort that I think actually makes it work, the support yeah. you get, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And um, lastly, what advice would you give to someone who's actually kind of like struggling through this process, struggling to kind of navigate like their own kind of, you know? Um, yeah. So what I always advise any of my, my patients and families really to get help, because I think the mental health aspect is a little bit something that everything in the beginning is so focused on treatment and, and all of that. But I always advise, you know, you need to get a counselor, I think, especially for children. I mean, even if they have a best relationship with their parents or their siblings, it's it's very important in my mind to have an outside voice they can talk to, right? Because other things will be brought up. Um, so yeah, getting help and and recognizing it early and, and you know, um, talking about it. The other thing is obviously, you know, having contact peer contact to somebody who went through the same at this age, right? And had maybe faced similar problems or maybe very different problems, but still had such a change, unfortunately, in their life occurring. So I always strongly recommend connection to professionals helping with, with mental health, but also seeking sort of other families, peers who can just help you. And for that, you know, we have many, you know, brain tumor camps where people are just being connected and, and all of that. It's obviously not for everyone, but that's my recommendation. That sounds great. I love that. And I like that everyone's kind of building community as we're working towards healing. So I think yeah. that was really powerful. Thank you so much for coming on. This was a great conversation. Thank you. That was Absolutely. amazing. Absolutely. Anytime. Good luck with your project. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Have a great day. You too.